probably doesn't matter too much who you are, you can probably always say maybe just a little bit more joy in my life would be a good thing. And maybe it's pretty easy for you to identify the things in this world that sort of take you from some of that joy, that, that are the joy stealers uh, in your life. And, and that's what we want to spend some time looking at in the next few weeks, those things that steal our joy, that, that rob us of the extra comfort and peace that God wants us to have. And to do that, what we're going to do is jump back into the Word of God and find out how God gives us encouragement and comfort in His Word to overcome those joy stealers in our lives. Tonight we're going to talk about making comparisons and how that is one of the great joy stealers in our life. I don't know that this will surprise you, but I'm going to ask for a show of hands. So just so you know, you have to vote. Okay, I'm going to kind of be counting to see how many people actually vote tonight. Last year, NBC took a poll of Americans and they asked how many Americans would consider themselves happy. All right, I'm going to give you four percentages and you get to raise your hand of which one you think it is. All right, would it be 63% of Americans who say they're happy? 47% of Americans 24% of Americans or 14? So now we'll, now we'll vote. I just wanted to give you your choices first. Thank you for those of you who already voted. Excellent. All right. Let's go back. I think I said 67%, right? 67? Anybody want to go for two-thirds of Americans? Maybe I said 63. I can't remember. Maybe you don't vote for that one because it's obviously not right. Okay. So we'll throw out the 60-whatever percent I said. Okay, 47, how many 47%? I think 47% of Americans said they're happy. Okay, we get a few, a few for that one. 24%? Okay, you guys are optimists. Are you surprised to know that 14%? Yeah, a few people voted for that. I can't, it was hard for me to even wrap my mind around that, that, that literally less than 2 in 10 Americans thought that they were in a situation where they would consider their lives happy. Now, maybe, maybe some of the things we've gone through in the last couple of years have a lot to do with that, but, but still, that, that's an alarming statistic. And you think, well, where, where is all the joy? Where is all the happiness that, that God wants us to have gone? I mean, it's so easy, it seems, to be negative. It's so easy to get frustrated and angry in this world. And how do we get that joy back? I, I put this picture on the screen because don't you sometimes wish you could just kind of go back to the days where the only thing you had to worry about is if leaves were going to get in your boots when you dove into the leaf pile? I mean, otherwise it was just joy, right? You're just happy to be alive. Well, you can get that joy back and that's what God wants for you. He wants you to live with, with joy knowing who you are in our Savior Jesus. And tonight as we look at making comparisons, we want to steal back the joy that making comparisons can steal from us. All right, this is the passage I want to talk to you about. The Apostle Paul wrote these words in his second letter to the Corinthians about making comparisons. He wrote this, We do not dare to classify our, or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Let's talk a little bit about who Paul's talking about here. As Paul set out on his missionary journeys, it was quite often that he faced opposition to preaching the gospel in the Greek world into which he took it. And so in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul's talking about some of these opponents who apparently have convinced at least some of the Corinthians that 
Paul somehow was inferior as an apostle, that somehow he didn't measure up. Sarcastically, at least with a note of sarcasm, in the very next chapter, chapter 11, Paul calls these people the super apostles. And the point that Paul's trying to make is, as he speaks these words to the Corinthians is simply this, it's not a contest. Being someone who takes God's word to people shouldn't be about making one person better than another. And apparently that's exactly what these super apostles were doing. They were saying that, that they were better presenters of, of God's word, that they were better orators, that they had more skills than the apostle Paul. And so they were comparing themselves with themselves. That was their standard of measurement. And Paul says that's simply not wise. He said when it comes to preaching God's word, there, there is no comparison. There's nothing that needs to be compared because it's not about the person who's bringing the word, but about the message itself. And it's not that this wasn't a temptation for Paul. Back in the previous letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, the one we call 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul actually talked about the wisdom that the Greeks looked for and the temptation that he had to come to them with eloquence and superior wisdom when he spoke the word of God to them. But he chose not to because he had a different purpose. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that when he came to them, he resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, Paul wanted the faith of the Corinthians to rest not on his wisdom, not on his superior intellect, but on the amazing grace of God. Can you identify those two guys on the screen for me? And just so you know, I didn't put those two guys on the screen so you could compare Vickers' mustache with these two guys on the screen. But if you get a chance to see Vickers' mustache, it's worth it. Okay? All right? Anybody know the guy on the left? Who is it? Mark Twain. Very good. The guy on the right? Teddy Roosevelt. Okay? Lived a little bit different time, but they both had very similar statements. Mark Twain said this, Comparison is the death of joy. Teddy Roosevelt said it this way, comparison is the thief of joy. Now, why those two guys? Isn't it kind of amazing when you think about their lives and their careers that the two of them understood the sting of comparison, how hard it is to compare yourself to other people? I mean, Teddy Roosevelt is one of the four presidents on Mount Rushmore. And yet, maybe he could always say in his life, well, I'm no George Washington or Abe Lincoln. Mark Twain is probably one of the greatest fiction writers, certainly of his era, and yet he also knew the sting of comparison. And so do we, don't we? We know the sting of comparison because there's always somebody who's faster, who's better, who's smarter, who's more accomplished, and when we end up comparing ourselves to others, what it does is it steals our joy. It's hard to get away from comparison. We're good at it, aren't we? And I'll submit to you tonight that there are at least two, two very distinct reasons that we like to compare ourselves with others. The first is more of a spiritual reason, I suppose we could say. We, we like to compare ourselves to others to justify ourselves. You know how this works, right? 
You know what God says in his word? That we're required to be holy. Jesus said it this way, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. But we know that we don't measure up. That there's nothing perfect about my life, the spiritual life that I've led. And so we're quick to find other people that we can compare ourselves to. People who are worse than us. You know, those serial killers and the degenerates and all the bad people in this world that, that at least, you know, I'm a little bit better than, than those people, right? But do you see how that robs you of joy too? Because it's not the thing that makes you right before God. God doesn't care for you to compare yourself to other people because that's not the standard by which he measures. And so it robs us of joy to think that somehow we can make ourselves right before God because we're not the worst sinners of all. There's a second reason that we compare ourselves with others as well. Both are unwise, I suppose you could say, but the second reason that we compare ourselves to others, that we try to measure ourselves against the way others are in this world, maybe more of an earthly with earthly measurements and standards. You know, how good-looking someone is, how successful they are in their career, what kind of clothes they wear, what kind of car they drive, what kind of home they live in. Can't we go on and on and on about the things that we compare ourselves with others about? And you know where all of those things lead. When we measure ourselves against other people, it can only lead to dissatisfaction, to discontent. And I've often asked myself this question, who says? Who says I have to wear the right clothes or look just so or have the correct career or graduate in four years or whatever it is that we put on ourselves to compare ourselves to others? Those things aren't rules. They certainly aren't the things that God wants for us. And when you think about those things that steal our joy, it's important to remember that only one voice really matters. And that's the voice of our Heavenly Father. Now, I suppose we could say that the Apostle Paul, Mark Twain, and Teddy Roosevelt all had one thing in common. And there's probably lots more than just this one thing. But for tonight's purposes, it's going to be this one thing. None of them were on social media. As fun as it would be to see Teddy Roosevelt's TikTok account, he didn't have one, okay? But isn't it amazing that they still knew how difficult comparisons were? And isn't it fair for you, for me, living in this day and age, that those comparisons are just heightened by how quick it is at our fingertips to compare ourselves to other people? How easy it is to see those perfect pictures that are splashed on somebody's social media page, Instagram or TikTok or whichever one, that make their lives look so impressive, so desirable. The photoshopped or airbrushed pictures that you get to see of people that make you think, I just don't quite measure up to others. They're so readily seen. And again, as we compare ourselves with other people, it's a joy stealer because we look at ourselves and say, that's not me and I want that. I want more blessings, a better life, 
to be more like the people that I'm seeing and it leads to discontent, and dissatisfaction, and a lack of joy. That's why it's so important to hear what God says. Jesus once said this, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Think about that. Because nothing you see on social media has to be the truth. But when God speaks, it's always the truth. And here's what God says about you. He says that you are redeemed, bought back. Just think about that for a moment. God says you belong to him because he purchased you. And he purchased you with the price of Jesus' own blood that was shed on the cross. Through the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and me, God calls us forgiven. That perfection that we seek, the idea that somehow we can have this perfect life in this world, the righteousness that we need to stand before God, that Jesus already lived for us. And it's credited to you and to me through faith. Think about this. God is pleased to call you his own. Yeah, isn't that amazing? How great the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God and that is what we are, John wrote in his first epistle. You see, there simply is no comparison to what God has already called you, what God has already made you, the status that he has already given you. And it's not airbrushed or photoshopped, it's real. And it's laid out for you on the pages of God's always true word. See, when you think about wanting more followers or getting more likes or wanting a better life, it's God who already has said, you get to follow me. It's God who's already said, it's not just like that I have for you, but love that he proved in the cross. And it's God who says, I've called you to a life that will last forever with me in eternity. That's where we find our joy. When we throw away the comparisons of things in this life, we're trying to make ourselves right before God and look to the cross of Christ where we have complete joy all the time. Two things I'd like you to take away from the devotion tonight. Number one, joy has very little to do with our circumstances and everything to do with our focus. Don't let the people of this world define for you what should give you joy, what should make you happy. Instead, remember the status that God has given you and what God has called you to be. That's number two. God calls us his own, redeemed by Jesus' blood, and there's nothing that compares to that. You are God's own child, an heir of eternal life, and nothing can stand in the way of God leading you to his, to, to his heavenly home for you. As I thought about that, that NBC poll and the 14% of people who, who said that they're happy in this world, in America, I thought to myself, could there be a correlation with the happiness dropping in our world and the lack of connection to God and his word? That wasn't one of the questions, so I can't prove to you that that's why the 86% of people said that they aren't happy. But isn't it true to think that apart from what God says about us, making comparisons will only lead us to having our joy stolen? 
A few years ago, I saw this thing that I put up on the screen there, that picture. I saw it hanging in a classroom, and I thought, boy, how appropriate to put that in front of students every single day. Because when we're tempted to make comparisons, when we're tempted to think that we have to live up to a certain standard that other people have set for us, it's good to hear the voice of God reminding us who we are. As Will saying before, I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And these passages too where God says you're unique, you're special, you're lovely, you're precious, you're strong, you're chosen. When God compares you, he simply says, I've already given you everything that you need to be my perfect child. And because of that, you have life with me forever in heaven. Don't let comparisons steal your joy. But in Jesus, take back that joy all the way to the eternity where we'll be joyful forever. Amen. We'll include in our prayers tonight a prayer for second semester and maybe a prayer for just some little warmer weather so that you can walk to class and without freezing. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the reminder tonight of the status that you have given us as your own children. You have made us heirs of eternal life and there is nothing in this life that compares to what you have already done for us. When the comparisons that we often make in this world Steal our joy, Lord. Restore that joy to us by pointing us to the cross of Jesus, reminding us of your deep love for us and the eternity that you have purchased by the Jesus' own blood. Continue to guide and lead us through the life that you give us here, Lord, until we are there in the perfect joy of heaven. Thank you for the blessings at the start of this second semester for our students. We pray that you continue to shower them uh, with those blessings, Lord, throughout the next uh, days and weeks and months. Help them to see your hand of blessing in all of the experiences you give them throughout this semester and lead them, Lord, on the path that you know will bring blessings to them in this life and the life that is to come. We also pray today, Lord, for uh, warm temperatures. That certainly is the forecast for tomorrow, a little bit more warmth. And we pray that you continue to allow uh, the, enough warmth that it's more comfortable for the students to go to class. Thank you for keeping them safe today and continue to watch over all of us, Lord, as you lead us to you forever. We pray all these things in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.